the blind stares of a million pairs of eyes looking hard but won't realize that they will never see the pee. <laughs> To back us. Here awesome. we are. Hey. Uh, guys, it's another year. It's been another year of uh, movies and culture and, and life going on. Filmometry, all that stuff. Mathematics. Yeah. yeah. What, well, I don't know what that first one was. Oh, I just made it. That's, well, that's, that's the new content that you're getting on this podcast exclusively. That is, that is, that is as Filmology. fresh as it gets. That's as fresh as it gets. Um, Guys, another year has passed. That means another year of movies have been made, and we have watched several of them. Many, oh, many, many, many. As we do, many years. Enough to enough to put together a couple uh, top ten lists for you. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And uh, we figured we'd do this, you know, a little later in the year. Not because we uh, didn't get around to it, but because. We want to wait till you you can stream all these movies. It's not like oh well, this one hasn't even come out yet, but oh, I saw go, it at a festival. Go check it out if you have twenty dollars. Like no, we wouldn't do that. Yeah, they, they, you can find these all pretty pretty reasonably well. Well, actually, um, maybe you need twenty dollars on the streaming service of your choice. Well, I'll say if you need twenty dollars, then uh, don't listen to this podcast. Yeah, you should be listening. We're not even asking you for money, but just do something better. Yeah, go with your time. go go hustle. That's I mean I'm, I I empathize with you. So rocks on the corner. That's not. You know, advocating that. That's just saying that's a method of making money. And <laughs> some great people have uh, followed that, that line of that line of work. Some of my favorite people have done that. Now, so, is that the route to success? Maybe not. But maybe it was for those people. We're sending very mixed signals uh, to the kids listening to this. Kids, don't smoke crack. Don't smoke crack. Or maybe sell it Ever. if it's lucrative enough. <laughs> if it's, sell anything if it's lucrative enough, except crack, because don't. Um <laughs> But Mark, <laughs> uh, we're at, we're at, we're out here. Uh, how you been? You know, have you been you been watching movies? Yeah, I've been watching movies. You know, been watching movies. You know, TV. You know, just doing all the fun entertainment things. How about you, Mike? Um, I've been doing the fun entertainment things too. I've been uh, you know taking in culture. You know, plays. You know, musicals, movies, music. Oh yeah, I've been looking at video some games. Yeah, I've been, I've been looking at some paintings. Yeah, I've been oh yeah. paintings. Okay. Yeah. You know, well, quick, quick side note, Mark. Do you prefer museums uh, of art or museums of, of history and artifacts? Uh, I mean, depends on the mood, but usually I'll go art. All right. I, f- I feel like art gives me a nice variety, but I'll, I'll never turn down learning about some history, Mike. Me too, me too. Sp- uh, speaking of, uh, if you're wondering, we are not including documentaries on no. this list. Because um, reality is clearly reality, so that was crazier than whatever they could make in a movie. Uh, are there any documentaries you want to shout out before we, before we dive into the fiction list? I got, I got a few. No, uh, no, 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 I do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, actually, the the one the one that um, was my favorite last year was um, what is it? Uh, the Beatles one. Now I'm forgetting the. Oh, get back. Get back. Yes, I was going to call it Let It Be. Was that last year? Was that? I think that was two years ago. Because I, I oh, think it came out at the ago? very end of 2021. Oh, then I think. no, I'm good. And, uh, the, the I just want to shout out a few is uh, Fire of Love, Whack. which was you no, didn't no, see no, it. no, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't see it. <laughs> too too early to be hating. Actually, this is this is a podcast of of positivity celebration. According to Mike, 
Courtney Mike. <laughs> no, no, we'll sneak in some hate. Um, Fire of Love is a documentary. I think it's on Hulu or it was, and it's about these the two most famous volcano researchers of all time, and they're a married couple. And uh, they just, it's just this amazing, amazing archive footage of all of their volcanic research in the 70s and around that time. And I'm pretty sure they've shot it on like 35 millimeter or something. And it just looks so good, restored, the shining, glowing lava. Oh, very cool documentary. Do they find sedentary rocks? They, they find um, uh, molten rocks and, and sedentary rocks. Sanitary, I'm in. Actually, I, I mean, honestly, I'm not fully confident what that means. It means it means you're not moving, right? Yeah, sanitary rocks. Is that what that means? Okay, sorry. I I, I just <laughs> I gotta be I gotta keep it hundred with everybody at all times. Um, so that was one. The other one was the David Bowie documentary. Did you see that, Mark? I didn't. Moon Age Daydream. Moon Age Daydream was the documentary about David Bowie. Uh, saw it in IMAX. Amazing, spectacular visual. It, it was like an artistic collage, you know. Mm. Uh, rather than just talking heads telling you the story of this guy, it was show rather than tell. And it just got the spirit of David Bowie, and it's visually insane. So really cool. I was hypnotized, mesmerized. There's a I, lot of uh, footage we haven't seen before. I can't say. I think most of it was already available, but mm-hmm. I think there's a, there's a lot of... Uh, yeah, the guy who made it, Brett Morgan, I think, got exclusive access to the Bowie archives to make this. Okay. And he got Bowie's blessing right before... Uh, he died. You know, the la- like he announced the project near the end of Bowie's life, and Bowie w- called him and even left him a message and was like, "This looks good. I'm really excited." And he then died. Buy Black Star next week. Black Star's really good. Very, Black Star's amazing. Very good album. That we they touches on that. It's just, I suggest you check that out. That is a, a very psychedelic movie. Ooh. Rightfully, I'll t- I'll tell you. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it it's that it's that. So. And then the other one, which Mark and I saw together, and honestly, this one for sure would have ended up in my top 10 had I included it, is Jackass Forever, which uh, I am including. I, I think it's a documentary. It's more of documentary than, than well, fiction. It, 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 is, it is the series, weirdly enough, that has blurred the line of documentary and scripted. Yeah. Because it isn't scripted, but they're pre-planning on doing things. And it's like they do multiple takes of stunts. It's almost closer to like a play than it is a documentary. Yeah, or like... They're like, like presenting this thing. Like live do. art. Live you know? art, yeah. But yeah, it's it's not... you know, And maybe that's why it stayed intriguing for so long, is that it's not fully categorizable. Yeah, I it, it, it exactly that. So it's actually... I don't need, Maybe it wouldn't even be on my documentary list. It's just in this weird world... By itself, but that movie probably made me the la- made me laugh the most of any movie from last year. Yeah, uh, I was I'll, I'll spoil, dying I'll laughing. Something just because uh, me and Mike are not going to do our honorable mentions until later on. Uh, but that was actually one of my honorable mentions. I was trying in some fashion to squeeze it into my top ten because mm-hmm. my enjoyment of it. I'll say like it's maybe top five of last year and just sheer enjoyment that I had watching a movie. Because uh, I remember watching that with you and laughing. Like, we laughed from the start of it to the very end, and it just was a great. Yeah, and howling. Time. We were howling. It wasn't howling. even just like giggling. Like, 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 like wolves at the moon. I'll say, if you've, if you've never given the Jackass series a shot, I, I always, I think, unless you're really just averse to, you know, gross stuff or, or people being hurt, but it's incredibly entertaining. There's just something magical about these yeah. guys getting together and just having fun in the stupidest way possible 
they they make what they do like what they do on the surface is very idiotic and just you know it doesn't have any depth to it but they have a i don't know is like there's a genuine quality you know, it's because it's like friends getting together. Like you could tell, this isn't just people. It is. Like there, it's, the movie's about friendship. It really is. It really, and you know what? It, what's cool, I guess, is we've also seen those friends grow over decades. At this point, it is that is another interesting facet to this franchise, the yeah. Jackass, Jackass franchise. franchise, and one of the greatest openings of a movie I've seen ever. Uh, wait, which one? Two. Jackass Forever. Oh, Jack. Oh, Jackass Forever. Tony Hawk. Shout out to you. Yes. Um. A lot of fun. Probably the most fun I've, I've had. It. I, I, I had watching a movie. that. So shout out to Jackass Forever. But let's get into, let's get into the, the list, top 10. Mark, do you want to kick us off? I'd love to, Mike. With your number 10. So number 10. And I just want to tell everybody, this movie took me a long time to complete. Not for any reason. Uh, just like it, I hit it in a spot where I just didn't feel like picking it up. I don't know if that happens to people ever. But uh, my number 10 is Elvis. 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 Oh, Baz, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Elvis with Baz uh, Luhrmann. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, I thought um, Austin Butler, like, incredible, incredible performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of those actors that, you know, like, a lot of times people will play other people in roles, right? And, you know, they even do a really good job at being the person, but you still go, like, oh, that's, you know, so-and-so playing this person. Like, to me, he's there with, like, it's, like, in terms of music biopics, uh, it's like him, Jamie Foxx, and like Joaquin Phoenix are like the ones where I feel like you forgot as you were watching the movie that this person isn't the person that, you know, yeah. the movie is about. So he is Elvis to a T. Um, the visuals are very, I mean, if you like Baz Luhrmann's style, very luscious, you know, mm-hmm. very vibrant. Uh, I feel like he makes the music come alive. Um, some of my kind of counterpoints of the movie would be like, I don't think you need all that. I think Elvis is an interesting enough character. That, yeah. you know, make it, you know, you can make it a little more traditional, but still, you know, like get the point across. Uh, my biggest pitfall in the movie, though, I will say, is uh, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, you know what I wondered with that performance? I'm not familiar enough with Colonel Tom Parker, was it? Or T- Parker? Sounds right, Parker. Something like that. Something, yeah. The, the I wasn't familiar with the Colonel, honestly, until the movie came out. And... Reading about who that guy really was, I don't actually know what he sounded like or what his personality was like. And if he, it was probably weird. So I don't, I can't gauge that one enough. But uh, I'm fully with you in Austin Butler. Uh, him and uh, somebody else on our list later on, maybe or maybe not. You know, well, he was definitely one of the two best performances uh, for male actors yes. in a leading role this year. I mean, at the Oscars, you already saw that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, he, he, lost himself in that role literally like doesn't he still he almost still like couldn't get elvis out of him it was one of those i mean i feel like living like elvis well maybe until the later years is not like the hardest life to like you want to live it's true you know you you can you can see the appeal uh, yeah that that was a very cool movie and even the people who were detractors of that movie will at least acknowledge that austin butler is crazy Incredible. good in that movie yeah Again, I wasn't even like the highest, highest on this movie. Yeah, again, very good movie, but um, it's just I feel like his performance is so magnetic. It like pushes it into my top ten just because I feel like you'd be kind of you'd be missing out if you didn't see his performance. Yeah, and and the visuals too uh, really worked for me. Sure. Yeah, uh, Baz Luhrmann also just like for people listening to this, like also just like as not 
exactly like I like his movies, but he's not always been my cup of tea. Same, um, same. You know, like I think Romeo plus Juliet is like my favorite of his movies. So like okay. that, just to give a gauge of where I'm coming from. Okay, yeah. But uh, how about how about your yeah. your ten, Mike? My number ten. Uh, yeah, my number ten of the year, and this is maybe one of the most talked about movies of last year, and I almost didn't want to give it up for this movie. I I felt like it's a little cheesy and uh, a little predictable, but I couldn't deny Top Gun Maverick. Mm. Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. I just simply can't deny how awesome it was seeing that in theaters. I saw it in IMAX, huge screen, and all the flying scenes at the beginning and definitely the third act gripped to my seat in a way I think no other movie did to me this year. Like I lost myself. I was I was not watching a movie anymore. I was in that cockpit. I swear I swear to you, I was feeling every turn, mm. every shot, every dodge. Um in the in the lengths they went to to film that with uh you know real real the actors really in the the seat sure, of yeah. these these planes. And uh, with the IMAX cameras and filming, out, figuring out how to film it with those cameras yeah. in the cockpits. Yeah, yeah. Fi- even figuring out how to film it. You're right. Yeah, and just the whole structure of all the flight scenes and dogfights and such. Uh, that was so spectacular. I never in my life seen a movie do that that well. And for that alone, I had to. This movie had to end up in my top ten, even though. It, it's a, it's very formulaic and kind of copying the first movie in a lot of ways and has to insert certain plot lines like the romance and uh, but I couldn't give I couldn't just deny how I'd never seen action like that awesome in a, a, a flying scene before it was it was the best I had ever seen and it got people to go back to the movies oh yeah in, in a way that I will say also is different than other movies that made of a lot of money so, like, for instance, like, a lot of the Marvel movies have made money during, you know, the pandemic, right? But, yeah. like, they're bringing in a younger demographic of people where Top Gun Maverick brought back, like, you know, older, like, uh, audience members also. That's why that movie had so much legs. It's, like, from teenagers to, like, 65-year-olds, people of all ages were turning out in droves to see that. It's, like, it hit all the sectors yeah. of, of, you know, interest for all the demographics. It was one of those movies where even your friends who don't watch movies were telling you how they saw it and how awesome it was. Mm-hmm. It was it, it transcended in a in a time where where TV is really the the biggest talking point of entertainment generally. That was a movie that was the talk of the town for the the yeah. whole month, maybe the whole well, summer. I was I actually was going to say for up until Avatar came out. Yeah. Because it it stayed in theaters because I think it was like it was also a, a movie that no one anticipated. Like maybe people anticipated making money, no one anticipated making all time top ten money. No, not not the the yeah giant giant numbers it got. But that's my that's my number ten Top Gun Maverick, uh, starring Tom Cruise. Yeah, absolutely. Back in the back in the scene. And, and you know, I just wanted to uh, throw one um, thing in there about that movie that I think yeah. is cool is. You know, people don't really think about this. One of the few sequels I think is significantly better than the original. And mm. you can't really say that about, especially a movie so far in between the sequels. Yeah. Usually that's that's makings for a really poor just cash grab. Uh-huh. And 
you know, credit to Tom Cruise. He didn't want to do any CGI. He just that was wanted the biggest, to, that's the biggest you thing. know, film it as like crazy Tom Cruise wants to film a movie. Yeah. And that's where I think you get all that. Like that, how Mike was saying he was gripped to his seat. I feel like it's because they filmed it in a practical way that the audience actually feels that kind of visceral feeling that if it was just CGI planes flying through the sky, it would just be like, you know, another action set piece in another exactly. movie you don't care about. Yeah. Filming it for real makes such a difference. And yeah, I lost myself in that movie. Yeah. No, Amazing. Good time. good time. How about how about your number nine of 2022, Mark? Number nine. You know, I actually didn't even think this was going to crack into my top ten. But like the more I think about it, it's just like a well-made movie and a love letter to movies. And it's like I feel like I sometimes like every now and then there will be like that sentimental movie that will come out every year mm. and usually it would be like oh, this is cliche to me or like I've seen this a thousand times but sometimes it's done with a quality and a care that like kind of pushes over the top to me so my number nine is Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans mm, yeah yep yeah. felt like you were going there yeah um, just you know like really just like fantastically acted I also thought just like you know at a time where we don't really get movies just focused on characters and their like progression you know mm -hmm. it's like I think it's a cool, you know, especially in the stage that Steven Spielberg is in his life and his career. It's like it's cool seeing him going back to like why why did I fall in love with all of this in the first place? Yeah. And like what are the things in my life that kind of drove me or made me the person that I am to get me to that place? Yeah. And being a very honest look back. Very honest look in back. In revealing details about his life that he never revealed to the public mm -hmm. ever before. About him, his family too. Like yeah. it's not it's not just him talking about himself it's like being truly open with his whole family and growing up one thing that that movie reminded me of was like how steven spielberg really just makes movies for everybody a lot of times in in film discourse we always get caught up with auteurs who are you know telling allegorical stories and subtext and you know you have to know something to understand what he's really doing here and steven spielberg Never does that. And he still makes amazing movies. Mm -hmm. uh, the Fablemans goes down real smooth. It's a very easy movie for anyone to get into. And uh, I feel like if you watch it and you're, like, upset, then you're, you're, you're probably a sad person. Yeah, you're just, I don't know, you came, you came in there real mad. Like, maybe you wanted yeah. Indiana Jones. Go watch Indiana Jones. Yeah, go, which, which is better, but yeah. But, still, oh, the, better, but the Fablemans, uh, and I loved Judd Hirsch. In a very small role, one of my favorite like under ten minute roles I've seen in a while. Um, I also shout out to people in the movie. One, of, I'm not going to spoil it, but one of my favorite cameos in a movie, just straight mm. up ever. Uh, yep. It was just the person for the role fit everything exactly. about that. I that actually might be one of the pieces of the movie I think about the most. I, I that's the one piece Is of the movie I think about constantly. It was so perfect and so well done, and and hit its mark in in the reveal and in the point it was making and just the scene itself. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I, I love the Fablemans. I, it yeah. narrowly missed my top 10. Okay. Narrowly missed my top 10, but I, I loved the Fablemans that really, um, it made, it made me feel good about the world. Yeah. But also not because there were some troubling, uh, troubling pieces to growing up, but I think we all, we all know how but you know, uh, that it, goes. It, it lets you know, like, you know, like it'll be all right. You persist and it'll be all right. Yeah. That's uh yeah yeah you know what uh, I like how I like how it did that I I agree with you Mark that, I loved that movie. Um, Mark's number nine of the yeah. year. How about uh, you, Mike? My number nine of 2022. I didn't think this would end up here. When even as as anticipating of the movie as I was and as excited as I was, 
I did not think the num- my number nine movie of 2022 would be Avatar, The Way of Water. Mm. I loved Avatar. I mm. was so transfixed by this whole experience watching this movie. First of all, not exaggerating, not hyperbole, the greatest visual effects I've ever seen in a movie. Hands down. In my life. And to be fair, they put in the money to like it bet like it's weird in the sense of like like it's absolutely an achievement and like but like you look at what they put into it in the amount of times like it better have been yeah it the, the money exactly sometimes just like a big budget big money movie pays off and it's just cool to see but not only is it cool to see it's spectacular how good everything in this movie looks mm. you just you even when there's no plot and you're just watching you're just looking at the screen even if you're spacing out even if you didn't speak english you'd just be like wow this is this is just visually uh dazzling mm-hmm. and then and then i actually thought it was cool because if you had seen the first movie the first movie is actually all set up i think for these next few avatar movies because avatar 2 starts off right away with we're in the thick of it we're back in the chase we don't you, we don't need to tell you about pandora again or about jake Soli again right you remember it was the army guy and the blue people yeah, you remember you remember and they can just get into it and they still use three hours and 12 minutes to tell that story mm-hmm. and i loved every minute of it i i don't know if i wanted it to be longer but i was ready for avatar 3 the second it ended um okay, yeah and especially seeing an IMAX 3D, which I'd never seen movies in 3D, but um, that added to the immersion as well. And uh, the characters and just James Cameron just knows how to make a movie exciting. He just makes movies that are exciting. You just care about and get into in the same in a similar way to Steven Spielberg. It's just you will put this movie on and you'll want to see where it's going. He's the king of the blockbuster for a reason. Rightfully so. What do you, what do you, did you see Avatar? Did you get around? Well, well, the reason why I was actually staying kind of quiet on it is my number seven movie. Oh, sorry, my number eight movie. Oh. is is Avatar two. Is Avatar the way the world? Uh, I I thought it was again visually, technically a marvel. Like you know, like it. I think the price of admission is worth it. Just you know to see the world. You know what I mean? Like again, kind of like the first movie of just like the care and craftsmanship and like you could tell this truly is a passion project for james cameron you know like he he really designed everything to a t and like you're it's 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 all cgi like it's all cgi but it looks like a fully lived in real place you can go to yes yeah Uh, it's it's like the same way you know people actually travel to new zealand to go you know to you know be like in the lord of the rings right right like this is literally all artificial. Like this is truly the future of where big blockbuster movies can go. Um, and and again, like kind of like Top Gun Maverick, this was one where a lot of people that don't watch movies went and saw it because it's you got to see this in the theater. It's it's a spectacle. And you know what? Like Mike was saying, like you know, I also don't go see movies in three D. I think a lot of people don't anymore. You know, we had, you know, what Avatar started the craze of it, and then no movie could match it and it all died down pretty much yeah. um and then again this is one of those ones like you're you're gonna feel like you missed out on something if you didn't see this one in a theater you know in 3d um all that on the I, biggest screen possible I, I will say this and again maybe i'm not as like I, again i'm very high on this movie but maybe at the same height like you are even though luckily enough it is slightly it's one notch higher on my list uh but I, I still feel like they were lacking on the story on this one. 
You know, like there's not like in terms of like the actual like plotting of the movie and like the character development, I've seen this story and these things go down. It's just the way they make it happen and the world they put it in, mm. like, is incredible. But am I necessarily like? Has this got me to be like I want to see the next like five Avatar movies? As a spectacle, yes. As a movie that I'm just gonna watch, not exactly. I see where you're coming from with that, with that, but I am all in on Avatar. But I three, four, and sort five. of. In. I'll see it on opening day, sort of. I'll see you there. All right, now now you're gonna maybe see we'll, it out of spite. Maybe we'll go together. Maybe we will. All right, check back in, everybody, in uh, 2024. But again, like James Cameron, like he killed it. Like he spent, like he hibernated for like 12 years, and then like he dropped like he did instant he, bomb on us. He was literally, literally said, uh, I'm not making Avatar 2 until the technology is ready for what I want to do. And then wait, waited, literally waited, thir- was it 13 or 12? 13, 13 years. 13 years because he wasn't, the technology wasn't ready. And, that, and you see why. Mm-hmm. You see why. Uh, so that was your, that was my number nine. your number nine, my number eight. So now we're on to my number eight. Now you're number eight. All right, my number eight of 2022 uh, it's a movie that maybe I even expected to be higher on my list. And maybe the odds makers had it higher on my list. But here it is at number eight. Uh, and that would be the latest effort from Todd Fields. Tar. 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 Starring mm. Kate Blanchett as the titular Lydia. 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 <laughs> You're. Lydia Tar. Uh, Lydia Tar. Kate Blanchett. Who. Uh, Crushes lost- it once again. Lost in the Oscar race this year, but was my pick uh, for the best actress of the year. Me too. She was tremendous Mm -hmm. in this film. All these little subtleties to her psyche and her emotions and the the, the whole, I mean, the whole movie, I don't want to say hinges because the script's really good too, but it, it really sings because of just her minute reactions and, you know, Lydia Tarr is this seasoned, uh, world-renowned, world-class composer. Composer and and what's the other? And um, composer and conductor. 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 Yes. Yeah. Uh, and is is such a serious, professional, successful person that her true self is buried under all these layers that she uh, has has created for herself. And uh, it's, and then you see that sort of breakdown, or you see a little bit through the cracks of who she really is, and what she's dealing with, and how she's trying to maintain a certain demeanor on the surface, and all, all that stuff is just the, through these micro expressions, uh, through Kate Blanchett, and plus, plus Todd Field kills it with this, uh, the the direction and the the script too, very very thoughtful, um, movie. A little, maybe a little slow moving and not enough boom bang for the, the casual moviegoer. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, but I thought this was incredibly compelling and profound and uh, really thoughtful. Brilliant performance. Uh, that's Tar for me at my number eight. So I think, Mark, we're on to your number seven. Okay. So my number seven, and this might be me. No, I'm just like I, I think this movie is very, very good. Um and I, I definitely like a little bit more swinging to like just my personal preferences here, but um 
the Batman. Um, I thought Ooh. this movie was, I guess, just like it. It's a movie that lets me know that, like, you know how people are like going like superhero fatigue and stuff like that. Yeah. If you give, if you give these movies to people who have a vision and have, you know, kind of a direction they want to go, yeah. And you actually allow them to, you know, just do this. I feel like you know it comes out you know pretty great. Um, there's definitely flaws in the Batman um, for sure, but I think uh, one thing that kind of also made me pop it on this list is uh, during the Oscars, like right before the Oscars came out, Roger Deakins yeah. said that uh, he thought this movie, like in his opinion, should have been hands down the Oscar winner for uh, best cinematography, and yeah. it didn't even get nominated. And Roger Deakins, by the way, great. Consensus greatest cinematographer in the history of movies. Yeah, he says he says this was shot well. You don't question him. You, you don't say yeah. yes. And and I I might uh, I might even agree with him. This movie that movie looked incredible. And uh, Mark, it's funny because my number seven is also the Batman. Yeah, and you know, guys, if, if that doesn't sound wait. too loud to you, I'm sorry. That was that was that, that was, was just the, that was the sound of friendship. You know, just that was a connection. Super hard. I. I loved the Batman. The only problem I had with this movie, Mark, if you remember, is I had a, a, a painful sty in my eye ah, yes. during when we saw this in theaters, yes. and it was sort of just, just it, it almost distracted me from it. But the movie was so persistently good, right? That I uh, couldn't help but still get but captivated by it all. I I love the look of this movie. I love the tone of this movie. Yep. I love the shadows. Mm-hmm. I think Colin Farrell disappears into the role. Of the penguin in a way that I didn't even, when we saw it with our friend Alex, even at the end, he, he was had no clue. He was like, Oh, the penguin guy was good. We we're like, Yeah, that was Colin Farrell. He was like, What? I think one of us mentioned yeah. Colin Farrell's awesome in this movie. Who was Colin Farrell in this movie? Yeah, he didn't you even know, know. Like, incredible. Co- that totally. was another one um, that I, I think Wakanda Forever won best costuming. Um, yeah, it might have, yeah. But anyway, or, or sorry, not, uh, not best costuming, uh, best makeup effects. Okay. Um, or I forgot what what movie did, but it was, uh, this yeah. movie just from Colin Farrell's like makeup aesthetics, his his suit, his whatever, yeah, was that in itself was worthy of the win, you know, and, if, had and, they done it. And going back to the the cinematography, I think maybe the best shot in any movie of the whole year is the shot where Batman's chasing him down, and the camera is upside down in the rain at an yep. angle in the bat and. The Batman is walking, walking towards the camera with the flames in the background. With the flames in the background, it looks amazing. Maybe maybe the best shot of the whole year. Mm. There's there's some stuff like that, and I really like Paul Dano. I and yeah, I, the pacing of this movie too for being another. There's actually a, f- I have a, a I have a decent movies. yeah. There's a decent amount of very long movies on uh, my list this year, and it it's still uh it it feels earned. You know the mm-hmm. it, it's paced well, builds up. All the acts are very distinct in what they're presenting. Mm-hmm. But I'll, 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 I agree, it's it's flawed. It's not perfect. Not perfect by but, any um, means. Um, but I, I feel like the, the the parts of it that are flawed to me, like I feel like the stuff that's so great about it, like overshadows some of those like nitpicky things. So I feel like you know if you haven't seen it, it's one of the better. You know, super. If you're a person who's like like adverse to superhero movies, I feel like give this one a shot just because it's not your average. It's it's a more methodical movie. It's more, you know, it's, it's more about the pacing and the yeah. It's a de- and it's finally Batman being an actual detective. Right. 
and young young Batman. Year young, two, year two Batman. And my last thing I'll say to this is like where the movie ends and sets things up going forward is just a very exciting. Thing. Like you feel like they could truly go anywhere, and I feel like that's what that's where you want out of these things is also like being satisfied, and then the prospect of what's coming forward excites you as well. And uh, another another shout out to somebody we've been praising for a while, but Robert Pattinson is yep. awesome in this role. I continue to say that he's one of the best young actors working today, and still still underrated, even with still like, underrated. You know, yeah, yeah. It's because the Twilight, right? Twilight, yeah. Well, that was his biggest role, and I, everyone. I know both of us are like we're in the minority of when he got cast as Batman. There was no hesitation in my mind. Oh yeah, perfect. Where yeah. other people going Twilight, those are the same people who hated Heath Ledger. When you got cast as Joker, thinking, "Oh, Knight's Tale, Ten Things I Hate About You." Yeah, go watch this then. I I, I still contain. I still maintain this is the second best Batman movie ever made. Oh, I could go with you on that. Okay. Two or three for me. It's right around there. Okay. It's right yeah, around. It's there. one of the very best Batman movies ever made. Yeah. Uh, and aesthetically, the best looking. Awesome movie. soundtrack too. Yeah. Oh, oh, the, oh. the composition, the- Michael Giacchino. Mm. Shout out to him. Mm. Boom, boom. Yo, just, just, you know, this was the year of composers doing like two, just like, like hard tones. Two notes, but it, yeah. it was, each one was hard. Uh, loved that movie. Watched it a few times, in fact. Um, but yeah, that's both of our number both, sevens. Both apparently. of our number sevens. Yeah. So, Mark, on to your number six movie of 2022. So, my number six movie of the year was The Banshees of Isherin. Yeah, I think it's Inner Sharon. Inner Sharon, I've I've been I that's one of the ones I've been interchangeably saying both because I don't fully know how to say okay, it. Okay, well then let's use both. Yeah, let's use both. Go back, go but, uh, rotate. You know, this is a movie. You know, because uh, the last two movies that me and Mike have actually talked about are like you know, like big blockbuster. You know, popcorn. You know, kind of. You know, that's the demographic they're looking for. That's the kind of. That's the kind of audience they're trying to gauge. This movie is the opposite of that. This movie is pure character-driven, you mm-hmm. know, just riding on the back of the actors, you know, in the movie. Um, uh, like, I, I'd say um, Colin Farrell. Um, what's that dude's name? Um, Brendan Gleeson? No, not Brendan Gleeson. The other one. The one that plays... Um, I was actually... Uh, Barry Keoghan? Yes, Barry Keoghan. The guy... Colin, like, like again, like Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, I feel like I knew we're going to be great in this movie just because of their chemistry from In Bruges. Mm. You know, so I was already kind of like, these two are going to crush it regardless. But, um, like, I feel like, I don't know, it's just, it's a weird, quirky movie. I didn't quite, like, fall in love with it. Again, like, I feel like a lot of the movies I'm going to say, I didn't fully fall in love with the movie. Mm. But, like, it's very apparent to me what's great about it. If that makes any sense. Um, and again, you're just like a story. Like, it's very funny premise just on the top of it of just like kind of a dude who's had enough of his friend. Yeah. And yeah. the guy just not knowing why. So he's got to <laughs> spend the movie figuring it out. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, that's that's my that's kind of it for me. Um, again, just like I think I love movies uh, that just ride on the back of like quality acting. Yeah. You know, it's and again, the script is also very good. The directing is very yep. good. But it's just, you know, like you're you're seeing people like really like, you know, when we're saying they're professional actors, this is kind of the movie that I feel like a lot of them are going for. Like while they want you to go out and see the avatars, like 
Banshees is kind of one where it's going, no, but like actually see the talent that we have. Like we can we can do more than just shooting people up. Yeah, you know, I, I think most of our movies here are original. Uh, actually, I guess my Avatar and Top Gun aren't, are sequels. And, and Batman. Batman's, oh, a, well, Batman's re, a reboot. IP of like. All right, well, the majority <laughs> at least of my, my yes, picks here are original. original you know, again, you know, this is a reoccurring theme on the podcast, but we want to celebrate original movies and not reboots and sequels and as Unless good as they're those, really good i don't know if they're really good i mean we're we're shouting shouting them out here but uh in general you got it's you want you just want to praise these original ideas for coming up because it's just a little more i don't know this is in the spirit of things well and it keeps the, the it gives a variety to what we love you know what i mean like if it's just bat like i love batman dude if batman was coming out like every month i'd get bored you know yeah, like you gotta you gotta have some variety, and again, like original movies and some of the ones we're gonna talk about, they can actually push film forward and create new ideas for new people that will push the genre of filmmaking forward. Uh, so that's your that's your number, number six, six, the Banshees yes, of Inner Sharon. Yes, of Inner Sharon. Of Inner Sharon. Insurance. Inner Insurance. Yes. In, in, as I say with my, Mike was calling me out earlier for saying uh, Woburn. Apparently, is Waburn. It's. <laughs> Oh, uh, what is it? It's it's Woburn, Massachusetts. Woo- Woburn, Woburn, Massachusetts. Sorry, everybody. Woburn. <laughs> uh, but also the people in insurance, the, the people who live on the island. Of, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm I'm very sorry for for how I it's pronounce fair, it. Uh, fair enough. If you don't live in like if you live in a city that just the world doesn't know about, then the world might not know how to pronounce pronounce it. That's fair. Um, so on to my my number six movie of the year. Six. Another movie Mark and I saw together. Mm. Uh. And it, this this sort of came out early in the year, so it sort of went by the wayside, and people forgot about it. Uh, but it would be Robert Edgar's latest effort, The Northman. The Northman uh, came into theaters. What what was that? March or something? Or April? I want to say February or March. February March. Yeah, it was very I early. Want to say February, I think, of last year. Very early last yeah. year. So people totally forgot that this came out in 2022. But you might know Robert Edgar's as creating some of the the best horror movies of last year in uh, The Witch. Oh, The Last Decade, I should say. Sorry. The the Witch or The VVH. And uh, one of my favorite movies ever, The Lighthouse. Uh, yes. <laughs> that movie is awesome. But uh, Again, shout out to Robert Pattinson. Rob, yeah, Robert Pattinson. Uh, in and that Willem movie, Dafoe. Too. And Willem Dafoe, yeah. Watch The Lighthouse. But if The Lighthouse wasn't for you, this might not be for you either. Because <laughs> uh, it is a, it is a, it's a violent movie, but it's about Vikings. Uh, so you kind of have to expect that because that's what the vikings were up to yeah if we're just gonna have a real portrayal so not only though is this like a great uh you know not only is a visceral movie but it has sort of like a poetic story it's telling with a lot of like interweaving characters and amazing performances Mm -hmm. uh from what nicole kidman and anya taylor joy and alexander skarsgård anya taylor joy one of the most memorable moments of film in that movie of all last year to me. Oh, I almost forgot about that. Oh, you just you I reactivated a memory. You reactivated a memory that now is, all right, that's what I'm going to sleep thinking about, yeah. <laughs> for better or worse. Uh, the Northman's awesome, though. It's it's just sort of like a, a revenge tale. Yep. And it it's it's really just the tone and the style and the the aesthetic of this movie that it does. It just shows a, an early 
mastering of filmmaking from Robert Edgar's. Yeah. I, I, I love his movies. I think he's doing Nosferatu next, so I want to see that one. I am so, so excited for that one. Yeah, that looks... So he, he just knows how to create uh, such a, 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 a definitive, you know, a, a really... What should I say? A, a really defined vibe. I was gonna say he has a defined vision, so like defined we're all vision, saying, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That movie was awesome, man. Uh, also, like one of the bigger flops of last year, because like if you look at it, it's you know if you gave that movie to anybody else, um, they would probably make it like kind of a straight up action movie, right? And it wouldn't have any of the intrigue that I feel like it ends up having. People, I remember, like we're calling it like kind of like an eighty million dollar like art house movie about Vikings. It and is, it, and yeah. it kind of is that because yeah. it's a very, as Mike said, it's just a revenge plot, but it's not as straightforward as a revenge plot. Like it's not very dialogue heavy, but it's very symbolism like heavy. So there's a lot yes. of layers to the movie that are just in the visuals of it. That I and again, it's not. It doesn't follow your standard, you know, kind of one, two, three act. All right, we're done with the movie. He got his revenge, kind of mm. thing. It, there's a lot at play just from what they're trying to show you on screen. And again, it's like only top filmmakers can really do that in a way where you might even be getting things or finding something intriguing and not even fully knowing why. You know, it's just you are, they, they're gripping you in a way that you, is almost indescribable. Just the, di- the choices of, uh, as a director. Exactly. Just yeah. that, that are too, too, hard to explain here and i couldn't explain if i really wanted to to be honest but I could i just don't feel like it. okay well you know mark maybe maybe on a special uh patreon only episode we can we can have you detail yeah. that big sandwich.co everybody uh we'll, we'll look out for that i <laughs> i don't know where to go with big sandwich that, that's I, a that's a thing that, that, a, that like a youtuber i follow that's like what they want to be paid on is big sandwich.co oh okay i i mean i wouldn't mind being associated with a, a sandwich enterprise i love sandwiches and, and a big sandwich as well and a big sandwich those are the biggest kind that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that that was my number six the north man uh very gripping movie uh should we should we take a break yeah, let's take a break. Let's we'll take a break. We're going to take a break. break. Pee-pee. We're going to send you, yeah, send you to uh, a commercial break. We're going to have a pee-pee break. Mike's, Mike's got pee-pee. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll be back. Yeah. Um, I spit that prayer hand emoji, the shit that injured Kobe. The holiest of holy, Nick Nolte and some Oakleys. That's a flex, though. Cover up the issues that I kept close. Sober, I can't deal. I'm in the corner with my head low. Running from my shadow. Never ending chase. He's the pain in the battle that's within me. Sniff the same shit that got Whitney. The high that's a good, that's a good video, right? Yeah, I was I was showing Mark uh, uh, a video of Kobe Bryant in high school uh, a moment ago. Uh, shout out to Kobe, man! During the commercial break, a shout out to Kobe Bryant. You know what's funny too? In that clip, we didn't even watch what he did to them in that game, and I know he destroyed them. <laughs> yeah, there, there was no way. He, I mean, he came straight out of high school like number one pick, right? He was pretty. Uh, un- no, I think he was like number. Was he number not number seven or something? He was like he was like a he wasn't like in the top five. Actually, I want to say he was like even like thirteen or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But it was like the Hornets, okay. and then yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's not why you you came here. There, there's there's a sports podcast. Actually, you know, maybe that's why. Maybe came. it is. Maybe, maybe you were like hoping like maybe thirty five minutes in these guys were just gonna start. give us a little basketball talk. Yeah, you and know that's talk. a very inefficient way to go about seeking entertainment. 
is listen to podcasts about not the thing you're looking for, hoping that they start to talk about it. Yo, you know, some people believe, yo, you're picking the trash, find a dime in life. That's what they're doing for the podcast. <laughs> All right, I hope we're not the trash in that uh, that that analogy. That was literally the metaphor, Mike. We are the trash. But we have we're a diamond somewhere diamond in here. In the NBA, All right, there's at least one diamond in here. Manute Bowl. Uh, so we're back with uh, our top 10 films of 2022. And uh, we've gone through our 10 through 6, mm. uh, knocked out some good ones. Yeah. Uh, but Mark, it's back to you now for your number five movie of last year. So my number five movie of the year, um, I just I, I need to put a caveat on here. It's, it's a very good movie, but I also put it, I think, number five on my list because sometimes I just got to show a movie respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's not necessarily a movie I'm really going to rewatch or like, you know, but, uh, all quiet on the Western front. Oh yeah. You know what? I wanted to, this is not on my list, but I did want to mention it when you were talking about the theme song in, uh, the Batman. Well, that's, that's what I was yeah. thinking. There was the, it was the season of two note, uh, two note jams. Yeah. Boom, boom. That the Oscars was ringing that song the whole time. And it was, both, it was sweet. both of those notes, both of those notes so hard. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, again, like I don't, I don't like. This is a movie, it's kind of like, it reminds me of like uh, 1917, which is another really great movie. Uh, but a movie that like, since I watched it, I haven't wanted to rewatch. Not because, you know, it's bad. It's just because like, you know, you watch a more movie, there's an intensity and kind of like, I don't know. It's just like, I, once I've seen it, a lot of times I don't necessarily want to like revisit it. But I can't say that on a technical level, it was fucking amazing. Um, score like we were saying as simple as it was was mm-hmm. fantastic um yeah. not as good i think as the like og og original but at the same time you know like that's i think for historical purposes over there yeah um yeah i don't know well it was big because uh we finally got a movie that, that the academy approves of where you can root for the germans yes you're rooting for the germans in world war one which, which we're, still, we're still looking into that yeah we're not uh why are they not? pumping the germans so hard over there yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Hollywood, what are you up to? Uh, but you know, I thought it was, I thought it was very good, but I like you said with 1917 and like Dunkirk, like both felt like better movies in recent years that both just Both are way better movies, I think. Way better movies. And and I maybe if I hadn't seen those, I'd I'd find this more compelling. But uh it it was more like oh, I feel like we've done this before. But but there's a f- couple moments like the the scene in the crater. Oh. That stuck with me. I thought that was actually like a very memorable moment. And, and that's what I think. I mean, you know, honestly, like a lot of these war movies in general, that's what ends up happening to me is I don't really think of the movie as a whole, but like there's like moments that are just like kind of like etched in my brain. Um, mm. So like, yeah, like I said, like this is more like I think I actually liked like if I were just to watch any other movie, like I actually like all the other movies just to watch on my list. More oh, I would. In this one. I would think. But, but again, like, you know, I, respect you know in the craft of making this movie like i think in terms of like you know just like you know like checking all the boxes on like you know just like the on the technical aspects that make a movie like very good i would yeah I'd say i think so. it hits everything but you know this is why i think i was mixing my critical a little bit with my opinion so that's, i I, that's I, that's at. I hear you i also like uh daniel Brühl in there he's snuck in yeah he's snuck in in, in the most likable role in the movie which was the the one general who didn't want war yeah everybody else either wanted it we like the guy that doesn't want war the most yeah so that's the that's the classic you know he's the equivalent of brad pitt in uh 12 years a slave you're like if i'm gonna be a famous actor going into this movie about uh 
some horrific past, then I need to be the most likable person I'm in the movie. Be the guy that saves him at the end. Yeah, that, that that's the role in the slave movie I'll take. So Daniel Bruhl was the the slave saver of this movie. In uh, that's not a good metaphor. That's not no, a good. I analogy. actually want him to put that on his resume. Slave saver. Slave saver. Okay, watch out. <laughs> Hopefully Daniel Bruhl uh, gets gets wind of this. But that's uh, that's Mark's number five was. Yeah. All Quiet on the Western Front. All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, my number five of the year, I think, is the one movie that people will be the least familiar with. And I'm not even sure if Mark saw. Uh, but my number five of the year is the latest effort from Alejandro Gonzalez in Uritu. And that would be Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. Uh, this is a movie that came and went. I don't think anybody even noticed it came out. I saw this. I did see this in theaters. Uh, it didn't get a big theatrical release, but I, um, I, I was seeking it out, and I and now it's on Netflix. By the way, I think it's just on Netflix forever. It might even might might even have the solid mark of being a Netflix movie, but um, even though at this point they've had many, Oscar they have They it's a it's a small percentage though. It's a very small percentage of good Netflix movies. Tiny but percentage. Percentage, nonetheless, Mike. So you're telling me there's a chance. There's a chance. Uh, but this movie is sort of in Yuritu, this director who you might remember made. Itumama uh, Tambien. Uh, Itumama Tambien. He made Birdman, The Revenant, Babel, Amor's Peros, uh, 21 Grams, Beautiful. I got more obscure. I didn't need to keep listing all those. I could have stopped. That's a good movie. I feel like that's underrated. Shout out to Twenty One Grams. Okay, I haven't seen that one. I'll, I'll check that out. Uh, yeah. That looks really uh, dark and very. Um... It's, it's an intense drug movie. Okay, it yeah. looks like it's full of despair. Yeah, I mean, not like *Requiem for a Dream* despair, but yeah, like, like you know, you're not. It's not the Fablemans. Not the fa- okay. Well, uh, Bardo, again, Bardo, false chronicle, the handful of truths. Inuritu is sort of in a, in a Fablemans type way telling uh, uh, a metaphorical story of his own life and sort of about his, uh, you know, about being Mexican and American and how these identities clash and how his, the, the history and the, the heritage he, he has in both of those um, are felt. And he does this in like a surrealistic type way throughout the movie. Uh, which makes for a lot of really dazzling sequences of this guy. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much about it, but, you know, it's sort of his mind isn't, you know, maybe well, fully yeah. there and sort of like that's manifesting itself in, in, in crazy ways. But it makes for some really dazzling, compelling sequences that are really actually really thoughtful and have a lot of, you know, poetic subtext to it. So this is, I guess it's almost a more artsy version of the Fablemans for Inuritu. Uh, but I was actually, in the end, more impressed with it and actually more captivated by it. It's pretty long at 160 minutes, mm. but uh, I, I was wrapped up in it for the whole way. And I thought it actually had a pretty s- strong ending and point to it all and in solid tone. Captivating. I really, I really liked this one. I and then it came out because I, I saw it in theaters. Then it came out and everybody sort of panned it, mm. or was mixed on it at best. So 
maybe maybe this is my hot take of the list, but Bardo, I really or, liked. Or maybe you're on to something that will become like you know gem to people going down the road. You know, sometimes movies come out and like you know like whatever happens, they get skipped over, and then people find it down the road. He is he is a director that you know I feel like people will take a second look at it at some point. Well, that's a really, really optimistic uh, viewpoint, Mark. I like maybe that. No one will ever watch it again. Everyone hates this opinion. Yeah, right. I don't know. But like, maybe they're turning off the podcast now. Maybe they because I like this yeah, movie. Maybe they're turning on Stephen A. Smith because they want to get a basketball fix. They just want to be yelled at by somebody. Do you know? Yeah, no, no, no Stephen. <laughs> uh, that was my number five of the 2022. Mark, how about your number four movie? My number of four 2022. So my- my number four movie, uh, Mike already spoke about this earlier. Uh, I, I really liked this movie a lot, uh, was Tar. Um, I didn't say anything because, you know, Mike was, uh, you know, I was waiting for this moment over here, moment like this. To uh, wax. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, kind of just piggyback on what Mike said. Like, uh, Kate Blanchett, once again, just shows why she's one of, like, the finest actors we've had in the last, what, 20-something mm-hmm. years. Oh, she's right? so good. She's in, she's incredible. It and might even be the best performance of her whole career. I I was actually thinking that myself, just because like you know, a lot of the times I feel like I take a note of her. She's like a supporting character in a movie, and not to say like she also has plenty yeah. of movies where she leads that are captivating. But this one really hinged on her being a magnetic character the whole movie. And as Mike mentioned earlier, it's a very slow kind of draw. So you know, like. If if you're not if you're not kind of being carried by the lead actor in this movie, you can easily get lost in what's happening. But luckily, like the story is very interesting. It's a very topical movie of now, where you know it's kind of like you know showing opinions of the Me Too movement. Yep. You know, just things of our time, and kind of giving you both sides of the equation, which I think is kind of an interesting perspective on it. And so, yeah, like, uh, you know, I'm not going to say too much more about it. Just really good movie, really great performance. Um, yeah, that scene early in the movie where she sort of has a very heated debate with one of her students, mm-hmm. uh, that really epitomizes some of those ideas you're talking about. And it was so well written, so well acted, mm-hmm. very steadily and, um, st- you know, st- Steadily, yeah, you know, and I'm just gonna double steadily it. Double steadily, down. steadily, steadily directed scene, um, which <clears throat> explores a lot of those ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the thing is, when you're arguing over over these like Me Too and uh, even um, affirmative action type ideas, which I know are totally different, but kind of sort of both get brought up in that scene. Yeah, they they, they get brought up in the same vein. In the same in the same vein. Yeah. Uh, it it touches on those so well, and both sides make decent points. And yeah. it's well, it's a nuanced it's conversation. Nuanced. That's so exactly. Like, there's no right or wrong. There's trying to sift through all of like kind of the gray area to find the truth, right? Mm. So I think that's what this movie is about. Is like it shows a person who has at the top of the world shows their downfall, and then kind of like shows like how does one recover from that? And it's not so easy as like this person bad, this person good, that's yeah. the conclusion you get because that's not life. So that's, I think, why that movie's kind of stayed with me is yeah. it gives you, it shows you how people in positions of power can be abusive and it shows, you know, the route to redemption if they choose to get one. And, and interesting too on that, in, in Tar, they actually, and maybe maybe I need to revisit this, but I seem to remember 
you actually never exactly see what she did wrong or get full definitive proof of what she did wrong, mm. but you get enough circumstantial and uh, other vague pieces of evidence that it became it becomes clear that you, she did something wrong. You get you like yeah, through all the little kind of surrounding bits of information, you get you at least know for a fact she's abused her position of power in some way. And and uh, like the whole movie is essentially her like you know it's like her demons coming back to haunt her. Yeah, and it's it's you know it's kind of like she's skating on thin ice, not even realizing it. But you could even watch this. With if you were somebody who's against the Me Too movement, which I don't think anybody would word it that way, but you know what yeah, I mean. People who have strong critiques of it. Let's yeah, say. you could watch this and say, "Wait, she didn't do anything wrong. They don't have any proof. This is unfair persecution." Right. And I think that's what makes it such a good movie is that it's actually each perspective is valid as a viewer. Exactly. It it gives you again like. Where a good movie, where a great movie is better than a good movie, is it gives you further nuance on stuff that could just be simply told. But again, it it adds extra layers like into it that again flesh out the idea even better, which is why I think it stays with you. So yeah, well said, well said. So that's your that's my number four. That's your number four. So where you at? So uh, I was staying oh. a little silent when uh, Mark brought this up earlier. You know, a little rhyming poetry with us here. Mm. Uh, but my number four of the year is. The Banshees of Inisherin, Martin Schlein. McDonough's latest effort with uh, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, as uh, two friends whose friendship ends and abruptly, abruptly. And uh, this actually, to me, was one of the funniest movies of the year. I maybe it's just because I saw this early on. I think like in the first week or so that it came out, and I saw it with a pretty big theater and. Uh, it gets it gets darker as the movie goes on, but at least at the beginning. Um, there are some really good laughs of just that are just really witty spirited writing from Martin McDonough, who we've come to expect uh, is capable of, of, of this. And uh, and yeah, it's, it's just a funny it's what I like about it is it's a very simple idea. There's I mean, I guess there's a couple ideas in here, the first and second half, but it, it's very straightforward and it just makes for some really, really dark humor. But, um, you know, what can I say? That's who I am. I found it very funny. And uh, and it had something to say, too. It wasn't just, you know, jokes. And the performances are really great. Barry Keoghan, like you said. Yeah. And uh, what's Carrie? What's Carrie Con- Condon? Can someone... Oh, uh, Carrie Condon, I think. Carrie Condon, yeah. yeah uh, also yeah. really good. She, yeah, is uh, one of the, I think she's the only or, like, one of the few female characters in the movie. You know, and again, yeah. like kind of giving you a fun perspective on the the nonsense that is going on in this town. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like she's almost like the voice of reason that like no one else is in this place. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the the characters all balance each other, balance each other out well, so well with different perspectives that uh, feel feel really defined. You know, for again, even this, they're this all is the opposite of Avatar Two. It is the opposite of Avatar Two <laughs> in the sense it's one. You know, it's I, I dare I say boring, forgettable town, but that's, that's the, the point, right? that's like, what that's, that's the point, and that's kind of why. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it's the point. That's kind of why they're, it's so they're funny. like like on an island with like how many whatever like a hundred people, maybe not even, and 
like Colin Farrell's like a sheep farmer. Like, you know, he's yeah. got all this time. Like everyone knows everyone. About having all the time in the world and, and finding like issues with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I it's as so amusing. I, I kinda wanna rewatch it actually. It, it's just it's very dark and again if you're somebody who can't take really dark situations, maybe not for you, but um I was smitten with this movie. Smitten. Alex Smitten. Thank you. Uh I give that a strong recommendation. Now we're down to the top three, Mark. And there was three. Top three movies of 2022. And and just to recall, my number four was The Banshees of Inna Sharon. So, Mark, on to you. Do we, do we have the same top three? I'm just looking I, at my top three now I, and doing I, some math. So here's the I thing. think we might have the same I top three. I think we have the same top three. Our order is probably different. Our order is probably different. But I kind of have a feel. Just... Just based on Mike's smirk right now, <laughs> yeah. I feel like we had the same top three. Um, so my top, uh, my number three movie is, uh, and this might uh, this might be higher on other people's list, but again, like the top three to me is almost interchangeable. Like you know, just like how I'm feeling. Uh, but everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, I thought you know, again, like like many people, like this movie was kind of like an injection of how everyone always talks about how they want original movies, how they want something different, mm. how they want, you know, something that's not just like another superhero fighting another villain. Yeah. This is the movie that comes out for you. Um, and I feel like... So you know, creative. Yeah, so creative. Because again, not like... it's it's It does stunning things with its visuals where its budget is not like of an Avatar level, you know? But it still utilizes like just... It's creative filmmaking like kind of at its finest. Mm. Um, Michelle Yeoh, uh, you know, again, like I feel like she was one of the sweethearts of yeah. last year, right? One best um, actress, one best Oscar. actress for this movie. I mean, well, this movie, you know, now that we're post Oscars, swept the Oscars. Um, I don't think it lost in any category. It was nominated, which, in, right? which I, I mean, uh, I mean, we both think highly of this movie, and we're glad to see it. But in previous years, this is not the kind of movie that would have won Best Picture. Something at the Oscars has changed because you. Ten years ago, you'd be like the Fablemans is definitely the movie to right. win or something close to that. Well, I, I know that the Oscars just in general, they've been having a hard time over the last like decade, actually, which just makes sense why you say that, of like figuring out what their identity is with the audience because audience viewership has gone been going down. Mm-hmm. And so there's like one half that's going, we need to take the Oscars back to when it used to be elegant and like, you know, a big fanfare. And there's other people that are going, there's a disconnect with the Oscar voters and the audience that's actually watching movies. And so that's why, like, you know, a, a, the past, you know, five years or so, the best picture winners are people that kind of your general audience will go, what the hell is that movie? Where I feel like this was a great movie of it bridged the gap between that, that kind of, you know, issue of like audience went out to go see this. Your average moviegoer would love to see this movie. Mm-hmm. But also anybody who watches film on a technical level, on on a filmmaker's level, can find full appreciation in this movie. And so I feel you would like, think, yeah, you know, and also like I think that's why Top Gun Maverick gets nominated for Best Picture. I, it's I don't think it's actually a Best Picture movie, no, no. but you know, it's kind of like yeah. throwing the audience a bone, going, "Hey, like we yeah. know you love this movie." Here it is. Well, I'm I'm evidently okay with it being in the top ten, but oh sure. Uh, but I'm if yeah. you, I'm, I feel like if you were to nominate, like if you were to be Mike, is going to choose the best picture nominees yeah. of this year. I don't. I I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. Might, I don't know if you would put it in there. It might get arced out, yeah, by some other things. Yeah. So that's all it is. But again, like awesome. Uh, 
you know, just like, you know, short round. I, I know I keep calling him short round. Uh, Kihu Kwan. Yeah, Kihu Kwan, but. Kihu Kwan? Something like that. Kihei Who? I think it's who. Kihu Kwan. I think it's H U. Okay, yeah. Let's go, yeah, let's go with that. Short round. Um, he's, he, like, you know, again, like one of the darlings of, of this year. You know, like him and Brendan Fraser, I think, was everybody's, like, like, no one was not, like, if you were rooting against them, like, you have a problem in your life. Like, you need to fix something. Yes. You need a hug. I, you need to, you, hopefully you feel something positive when you see how overjoyed that man was mm-hmm. winning the Oscar in tears, looking at the camera saying, I won an Oscar mom. My 84 year old mom is at home watching this. Come on. Mm-hmm. You got to feel, you got to feel and something. Then, and then like teaming back, like, like hugging up like Steven Spielberg, Harrison Ford, like, yeah. you know, like and Brendan Fraser, Brendan Fraser. They had an Encino Man reminisce moment. What a, it was beautiful. What a weird, unexpected shout out at the Oscars. I mean, I guess with the, the the crop of movies, it's not as unexpected, but still, you would have never thought Encino Man to ever be mentioned at an Oscar ceremony ever, 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 ever. Uh, but yeah, uh, great. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. I, I think every. I think more people. Uh, because also, I think more people like are higher on that movie than I am, and mm-hmm. it's still my number three movie. Um, yeah, because the, the discourse on this movie—I don't know. Maybe everyone else isn't getting this, mm. but I felt like the movie came out when people saw it in early screenings. Everybody was like, "This is great! Really amazing! Like creative, mm. memorable stuff." And then it came out to a wide audience, and everyone saw it. And then it became so big and so praised that yeah. people started hating on it and saying, "No, this movie actually sucks. Mm. It's just Reddit core uh, memes throughout." And has nothing serious to say. You know, I feel like that in general that happens with anything that just gets so popular. And, you know, not to harp on it for, like, too long. But, like, I think, like, one of the things that's probably doing... Like, actually, you know, something like that happened to me, except I'm just not that extreme as other people. But, like, ev- I watched that movie a little bit later, like, after it came out. And everybody I talked to was like, I'm going to love this movie. so Like, this is going to be my favorite movie of the year. And... I feel like, you know, again, it's kind of hard to go sit into a movie where you're told constantly this is going to be the best yeah, thing you've ever you, seen. You can't help but let that affect you in some In, in some piece. manner. Yeah. You know, like, for instance, like, I know plenty of people who thought, like, the humor was, like, a 10 out of 10. It was, like, a 7 out of 10 for me. Most of it hit. That's fair. Some yeah. of it I found, you know, just, like, on the corner side. But then I could also understand how someone likes that. You know what I mean? Where other people, I feel like... You know, a lot of people, the people who rate every movie a 10 and rate every movie a 1, right? I feel like those are the people who, yo, you're going to really like this movie. Oh, dog shit. I, it wasn't my favorite movie, so I hate this movie. And that's where I feel like, you know, we live in a time of extreme discourse. I, was thinking, I feel like we live in a time of when you, dis, when you have a hot take, that's when you get your attention. Sure. You know, because if you see everything everywhere all at once, a month or two after it comes out, and you're like, this is one of the best movies ever. You're the ten thousandth person to have said that. Nobody, nobody cares now. If you're like, this movie's actually terrible. It didn't do anything right. It's really dumb. Whoa, who's saying that? What? And now suddenly the squeaky wheel and well, and negative negative news usually drives clicks, right? Like that's like a proven that's, fact. So negativity is usually a little more attractive. That's what it is, right? That's what it is. Listen, you get a hundred compliments and one person calls you like a terrible person. You're gonna remember the person who called you a terrible person. Yeah, that's one of those uh, strange, strange pieces of, of human life that we just kind of yeah, we have to accept or, or or at least take note of, if nothing else. Take note of, because you know what? Like, how about this? I feel like I'm in the vein of those people in the sense that, like, I didn't love it. Be- 
I feel like there was a piece of me that like went like this is not hitting it the way other people told me it would but like at the same time finding a perspective going but this is like I'm still finding what's amazing and great about this mm. where I feel That's like honest. a lot of people are yeah. black and white you know it's it's either the best or it's either the worst they don't have the nuance or the in between I hear that yeah. um so that's your number three. My number three. How about you, Mike? Mark has everything, everywhere, all at once. Everything, everywhere, all at once. As his number three. My number three of the year. The movie that didn't is a movie that did not get enough love uh, this year. And Mark and I saw uh, an early screening of this movie too. Was it was it the U.S. premiere, or was US it just? Premiere. I think US it was the U.S. US premiere yeah. with Charlotte Wells, the director there. And, and, uh, and the um, I forgot what her name is, but the actress because it was one of the like the most adorable interviews you'd ever see. Uh, Frank Frankie uh, Corio. Yes, Frankie Corio. Just because it, we we happen to see her at like one of, if not the first, like yeah. or one of the first like you know Q and A's she's ever done. So she was just like you know like you know it's kind of that like you know when you're green and new to things it was like so genuine of how like you know kind of excited and happy she was to be there yeah so i, I felt like that was infectious just being in the room of that totally i and uh so i haven't even said the name of the movie the movie oh right <laughs> uh the movie is after sun after sun and that's one word and it's sun like the sun in the sky and uh this movie is basically a a daughter recalling memories of a vacation she had with her father and it's done in such a thoughtfully artistic original way with with a lens and and sort of a a a personality i haven't really i don't know if i've seen in a movie before or it doesn't at least come to mind it just felt so original of a vision especially it doesn't even have uh, a clear like a act one act two act three plot it's sort of jumbled and it's more of a of a feeling you get than a what what happened there Mm -hmm. i mean there is an ending that makes you gives you some sort of something you know but but even in that there's an it's not it's not much yeah Yeah, there's still ambiguity and i think that's what made it such a memorable movie for me is is i felt like i I lived that memory rather than I like I heard that story. It totally enwrapped me um, in that. And just for a first-time director, such care and craftsmanship at you know with the filmmaking. Uh, it all it all looks so good. It all comes together so good. The the soundtrack plays Pedro in really Mescal. well. Say it again. Pedro Mascal. Oh, Pe- Pe- Pedro Pascal. Paul Paul oh, Mescal. Yo, you know what? I've been uh, what's his name? Pedro. Um, damn. Pedro Pascal. No, no, Pedro Pascal. Yeah, no, Pedro Pascal yeah, yeah, is uh, yeah. Mandalorian and um, Last of Us. My bad. You know what? Actually, I've been uh, watching a lot of Last of Us. No, you know what? Like, yeah, no, great. <laughs> Let's actually take a Pedro Pascal side note because he was in another one of them, another movie I really liked this year, uh, which was the Nick Cage vehicle, uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent. I did enjoy that, and uh, that was uh, just for the record is is thirty seven on my list of two thousand twenty two, but. Uh, Pedro Pascal plays Nicolas Cage's best friend, and Nicolas Cage is playing himself. And uh, Pedro Pascal is is just delightful in that movie. I think he, I think right now actually Pedro Pascal is the hottest actor in he's, Hollywood. Well, also he's got the two biggest. You know how you were saying earlier, like you know, TV is kind of the talk of entertainment. You yeah, know? and he is literally in the two biggest shows on TV. He's in he's the Mandalorian. 
and he's in The Last of Us. And he's the star of both shows. He's, he's the star of both shows. One where he doesn't speak, well, he doesn't show his face, and the other one where you know he's brooding and dark. But like the thing is, he is lovable, and we are just, you know, he's like one of those people. Like once his once their star starts getting bigger, you realize, oh shit, I love this person. You everybody roots for him, and and you know, like we were talking about with some movies, is it like it gets big enough, and then people start hating. Mm-hmm. That hasn't really happened with Pedro Pascal. I not, think everyone not yet. Not yet, not yet. I don't, wanna, I you don't know, want to knock on. Happen. I'm knocking yeah. on wood right now. I don't have wood to knock on, but Mike will knock on some for me. Uh, it's been it's been knocked on. And I I just everybody wants him to succeed and likes him, and he's, he's just like a, a good dude. He's, he's like just a, a good dude. dude. You just really want the best for him, and he and he's such a real. He he's just like a type of person maybe we we haven't had a movie star of yet. He feels like like a, he doesn't feel like a copy of anybody. No. No. Uh, it's, it's cool to see him go from like Game of Thrones to like now he is like running and he was, the TV. He game. was like one of my favorite characters on Game of Thrones yeah. too. That was a small We just knew him as like the cool like kind of like, you know, like flipping like, you know, Spanish guy and now he's like you need somebody for a role like he's like one of the top oh, people. I'm sure that. I'm sure he has all the people knocking on his door trying to get him to be in their whatever project they're doing. Uh but Pedro Pascal's not in any of these movies yeah, we've sorry, mentioned. Sorry. So I, I confused he's... I confused the names. That was my fault. <laughs> so, uh my, I was back to my number three of the year after Sun, which is um uh, stars Paul Mescal. 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 Yeah. Uh who got nominated for an Oscar and that was the only award this movie got nominated for which felt weird because i didn't that wasn't my strongest aspect of the movie yeah no he was good uh but actually you know what no because i remember no never mind i remember when we saw that thinking he could get nominated yeah yeah he was yeah all right, I'll, I'll you know i'll i'll wager this that he was good and deserved to be nominated mm. uh for sure but i think like the direction uh was was even better well, question that. Who would you who would you replace him with? Oh, if I was to replace him with somebody, yeah. uh, Robert Pattinson. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, and, and, like and whatever movie we can put him in, or Pedro Pascal. That's... Yeah, you know what? Just like you get the honor, <laughs> you get the honorary nomination. We love you. Yeah. Um, but I thought this was a brilliant original movie that that had some like honest feeling to it that mm-hmm. that that got to me. Um, so that's my number three of the year, Mark. We got we got a couple more yeah. to go. What is your number two movie of 2022? Well, Mike, not only was this one of my favorite movies this year, this was the most fun I had with a movie this year. Mm. Uh, that movie, and uh, actually Mike showed me this movie. Uh, we, we came over to his place with another friend of oh, ours. Yeah. And, um, shout it, out to Alex. Shout out to Alex. Yo, hope you're crushing in Seattle. Yeah, um, shout out to Yo, uh, this movie was batshit crazy, batshit fun. Like it's it's also it, my number two, by the way. Oh, it's also your number two. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's RRR. This movie was is like the most ridiculous yet earnestly fun movie about friendship, about brotherhood. Like it's uh, yeah, uh, but like also about kicking major ass. Like this this movie was so much fun. Like that's the thing I feel like I come away with the most in this movie is I, I had like all the things that like kind of like light a fire in me when I watch a movie like the thing that oh I love like I, this is why I love watching movies this movie hit all of those things uh, yeah just to get, let's give people a little more context in case this one this one another one might have flown over the radar because it's not in English it's not in it's English an, it's in, an Indian movie on Netflix though so you can watch it right now on Netflix uh, from director SS Rajamoli 
who did a Bahubali in Bahubali too. Some other Indian movies. Maybe yes. maybe you heard of. Maybe you didn't. I've, I've seen both of those. But movies. I'll be honest, Mark. I've seen four Indian movies in my life, mm-hmm. and this is one of them. And it was it is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. It is so awesome. It is a uh, hundred and eighty two minutes. And it is a like Wolf of Wall Street, where you go, oh, three hours just went by. I was, want to do it again. I was ready for. I was ready for more. I was ready for another hour to be. Yeah, tacked you want to talk about the, you want to talk about the like the four hour cut? Like I'm. Yeah. I'm in. Like sign <laughs> totally me up. in. Uh, so it's called R R R, which stands for Rise Roar Revolt, but I think it also stood for the the people who made the movie, and it, it's a couple other things because uh, the two stars uh, both have R in their uh, R names, and so does the director. So mm. I think it started off as that was like the working title and then they ended up keeping it and then they sort of shift so that it, it hits on a different levels does it does it have the title rrr in like india uh i i can't be sure but i'm pretty but i am pretty sure it okay, is okay. i would think so yeah. uh and yeah it, it tells the story of these two real life indian revolutionaries yes which like through a lens though that is very surreal in life oh like this 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 movie is not grounded in reality no but is from like is is a historic it's like it's kind of like uh ben franklin vampire Hunter. oh abraham lincoln oh abraham lincoln vampire hunter Yeah, yeah where it's like abraham lincoln was our president he did exist civil war was happening yeah or a jesus christ superstar that's even better yeah. Although maybe Jesus was, you know, we don't know. Oh, you know what? That's another. That's a much longer podcast. Yeah. You know? uh, but but shout out to whatever fun. God is the real one, or gods. We're gods. Uh, yeah, man. But yeah, two two guys um, coming together. Yeah. These. So I think they. I think they never actually met in real life. I could be wrong about that. But it's sort of a, what if they did? You know, it's almost like. Um, what if Abraham Lincoln and George Washington teamed up to fight vampires? Yeah, something along those those lines. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, I don't even want to spoil the plot because it actually is. Even if you just follow the plot, it's pretty interesting. Of, well, and it's a very like I feel like we need a whole podcast just to like, kind of describe the plot. Yeah. It's very convoluted, but like straightforward at the same time. Yeah. The uh, the white people, uh, you know, white the, people bad. The white people are bad, which is is real and it's real in this movie, but because India was a uh, own what do you call it uh colonized, colonized by england until uh, uh not until gandhi yeah so yeah. this takes place in like 1912 or something like that yeah 1912 so uh old school uh or 1920s 1920s and just some of the dopest action i've ever seen in a movie in my life mm-hmm. so many moments had me just being like wow oh my god like i was jumping up yeah, cheering and, for to nobody. And just, it's, it's a mile a minute movie that like you think like, you know, like normally like you go into a blockbuster and, you know, if it's just like, action happening, like, you know, from scene to scene, eventually it kind of just like just gets boring and just kind of mashes in together. But like the ridiculous action set pieces are so creative and so like like left field. That is all memorable. And then you have stuff like the acting is actually very good. The choreography is phenomenal. There is one dance sequence that is truly one of the best dance sequences I've ever seen on film. Which shockingly did get love at the Oscars this year. Yes. You, it, again, actually, previous I think years. the best performance of the Oscars just in terms of the, you know, which the I, actuality of it all. Which actually, I think uh, those, weren't, those weren't actually the actors that performed oh, no, it there. Yeah, no, just some other dancers, but... 
That's fine. Um, but it's still awesome. Uh, the yeah, the the musical number, the action, the drama, the the just the 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 bravery on display. Yeah. It's it, this. It has such a strong spirit to it. The friendship. That, yeah, like I was ready to ride for India at the end of this movie. Yeah, I, they, I, they had me. You want to talk about movies being like a, t- a tool to manipulate people? Like I was riding for India at the end of that movie. And uh, <laughs> very effective. If this was propaganda. They, and they got me. Let's be honest. Top Gun Maverick is also definitely uh, propaganda for the Air Force. Or the, are they in the Navy? Are they in the Navy? Uh, the, they are. The, the Army. The military. We're just going to say the I military. think they are the Air Force, but like they go on like a Navy aircraft carrier. Maybe that's what it is. So I think that's why we feel it is. It is. Sort of, yeah. I mean, they're obviously flying planes. But it's but also Top Gun like, you know, flight school. Totally propaganda for, for you Tom joining his, the U.S. military. Sinister ways. But some sweet, sweet propaganda. Sweet, sweet. Jennifer Conley with her. I'm a cool chick. I own a bar. You want to watch football later? Oh, ding, ding, ding. Throw out Maverick. <laughs> um, but, uh, goddamn, I loved RRR. Yeah. Uh, over three hours. I've watched it three times. I'll probably watch it again. If there was, like, a Justice League Snyder cut, I would watch it. And I'm waiting for it to come out on Blu-ray, because I'll buy that that Blu-ray. And um, it would be awesome. So, here we are. Mark and I both had that as our number two. To remind you, here we are at the end both of our number ones of the list, which honestly, you do a little math, you probably already know. But uh, Mark, do you want? Would you mind recapping your list from ten, and then sure. and then give us your number one? Sure. Uh, so my number ten, uh, Elvis, nine, The Fablemans, Avatar two, The Batman, uh, Banshees of Isherin, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, Tar, three, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and RRR number two. Okay. And here we go. Mark, your number one film of 2022. What is it? Well, Mike, you've already mentioned it, and I feel like I've already mentioned yours, but uh, After Sun. Uh, mm. That movie, like, it just, it it touched me in a way that, like, since we watched it, like, has stayed with me, and I actually think about, like, pretty often. Um, I, You know, again, not, like, on a visual sense or anything like that, like, crazier than any of the movies we, we mentioned, but just... I don't know. I feel like that's another side of like filmmaking that I feel like is very, very hard to do, which is like kind of like put me into like the mind and soul of like characters, you know, and like what they're going through, what they're feeling. And I feel like the story, you know, as simple as it is of like a daughter and her dad, like, you know, kind of like going on vacation and her like reminiscing about these kind of like vital like moments. But I feel like it's also like it captured like both growing up and like having a child at the same time like you know like yeah. it captured like the feelings the intricacies those like little tiny details and those little moments that i feel like you know if you're reminiscing back on your life those are the little things you know like oh yeah. you remember your third birthday party no but i remember having like you know a turtle in my hand or something like you know it's like you remember these weird little segments but like you don't know what's impactful to another person. Yeah, yeah. It, it It's actually, that's another great way to think about it. It's such a good, like, uh, sort of meditation on, on memory mm-hmm. and how you remember things and what you remember. Right. Because you're right. You, you I, have, I have all these weird memories of just, like, having a Sprite that I, it was, like, the best Sprite I ever drank, and I was, like, seven. You know, like, why am I remembering that? That's such an unimportant memory you probably to, don't even remember the day surrounding it but you remember that moment i remember that moment i i remember the season it was summer there but I, I i could i couldn't go beyond that but 
Yeah, After Sun's beautiful. It's beautiful, man. And yeah, like uh, just I also think it's cool of like, you know, a, like the two actors are at that point, like, you know, like the girl uh, was unknown and, um, you know, like what's his face? He didn't have many roles, right? Like uh, Paul Mescal. I think he did like t- like some TV and stuff. Right. But uh, like, you know, he's not he's not, you know, like a household name, but he no, I actually think he could be a guy not necessarily say he's going to like run Hollywood or anything like yeah. that, but could be a guy that like you could see popping up. Well, we were talking. He got cast as the lead in Gladiator 2. Gladiator 2. Which is real. I have so many thoughts on that movie that I'm not going to go into right now. Just we'll wait for it to come interesting out. Interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, again, just beautiful movie. Uh, maybe not as like crazy or wild. I don't think like a lot. Like again, this movie didn't get the love that I thought it was going to get. Yeah. Uh, but I think is like really, really worth a watch. So that's what I'll kind of end that on. I, I agree. I agree. Um, so my number one of the year. And uh, just to recap. Number 10 was Top Gun Maverick. Nine, Avatar The Way of Water. Eight, Tar. Seven, The Batman. Six, The Northman. Five, Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. Four, The Banshees of Inisherin. Three, uh, Mark's number one, After Sun. And two, R, R, R. Love that R, R, R. Oh, that movie's so good. But I, I would have I taken another R. <laughs> um, but my number one of the year you figured it out already is everything everywhere all at once uh, from the Daniels which I love if you didn't know two directors not brothers with the last name Daniels but two brothers just no, not two, two not two brothers not two bro- just two friends who were both named Daniel and uh, they made Swiss Army Man uh, a few years prior with which if you haven't seen is a really weird but like Quirky, awesome movie. With a Daniel Radcliffe as uh, a dead body. Uh, a Swiss Army dead body. A Swiss Army dead body and Paul Dano uh, being still a gem of, of our time. Yep. Uh, what a weird... Because you know what? I almost can see from Swiss Army Man, which is one weird idea. And in everything, everywhere, all at once, these guys have a ton of weird ideas. And so creative and just where did that come from? And all these notes from... You know, a high art house filmmaking. They reference like Wong Kar Wai to having just like googly eyes on rocks mm-hmm. and butt plugs and all sorts of just. I like how the butt plugs is one of Mike's highlights. Well, butt plugs is. It is. No, it is. It is. It's, it it's is. hard to forget. It's hard to forget if you've seen that scene. And uh, I was just totally uh, overwhelmed with how, how, how good this was. Uh, I saw it. I saw it early in IMAX. And I think 15 minutes and 20 minutes and I was like, this is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. And I, I almost didn't want to say it out loud. I was like, I'm jinxing myself by saying this, but it really was. This is everything I, I look for in a movie. It was, it was funny. It had great action from, from action legends like Michelle Yeoh, you know, short round. and uh key, key who Kwan short round, short round, uh, key who Kwan. and, uh, just great visuals, uh, awesome editing, and and I keep saying it, but just so so creative. Um, and I almost I almost wanted to just see it again the next day. And uh, unwavering, I still feel this way. I have I have been shaken by how much criticism I don't know, there has been. I'm a little like, why? It's not that bad. But this is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. 
I I love well, this movie. If, if again, if it, if it hits you, you know that's why all of this is the most subjective thing. You know, like it is, maybe yeah. anybody listening to this, maybe you don't have any of the movies we have in your top ten. You know, like that's yeah. fine too. Like that happens. That is well. I mean, yeah, they're just opinions at the end of the day, and nothing's right or wrong. And no, I'm not even trying to be like a hippie about it. It's just like yeah. it's like who's to tell you that like it's not like one of your favorite movies you've ever seen it's true no i i i'm more so that i'm just i'm so shaken by i had to i had to reevaluate it i guess uh, hearing all the criticism of that movie i had to be Mm. like am i was that was i just on like a high that day seeing that well you know time's also a great teller you know i think it's going to be one of those movies that like it stays around yeah um and again like i think me and you are on the same level of it but i'm a little bit on the side of like I, you know, I really liked it, but like, it's not like in my pantheon of movies. At the yeah. same time, hearing you say it's like one of your favorite movies you've ever seen, yeah. it's also not shocking or like, like yeah. you couldn't really debate it with somebody if if they had it in their like favorite ever. Right. I and it it is it is in my favorite ever. It's like one of my I was just so blown away with how much fun this movie is. And you know, in a time where we've the multiverse concept is almost being done to death and is done so many places and is still going on. I, I felt like this was the best multiverse movie I've ever seen. It, it just really got, uh, uh, the, 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 the grandi, the grandness and the grandioseness, uh, if, if one of those is a word of how large the universe is and how small we are. It hits that home, and then it shows the infinite nature of the universe in the the silliest ways, and the, uh, the and and the realest ways. Exactly. Well, and it runs the spectrum. It's kind of like, uh, you know, what when people before going into Doctor Strange, like um, you know, Multiverse of Madness, like what they thought that movie was going to be, is kind of what everything everywhere all at once was. Was just like taking this concept and fully like stretching it to like where you know like every possible like you're saying like there are rocks with googly eyes as characters for like you know a moment in the movie yeah where like you know it's like dr strange didn't have the balls to like kind of go in that direction it had to keep it more of a conventional kind of movie but like you're almost missing out on the aspect that could have made this like incredible where everything all at once is like that's the premise of the movie we are going to dive deep into what is the universe? What like what is all our connection to everything? Yeah, and that's where it shines through. Um, love that movie. I own I own the Blu-ray. I got it. Got it right here. Uh, I own the 4K of the damn Craig Bond collection. Shout out to Mike. Oh, happy birthday, Mark! Just want to throw that happy out birthday. there. We're um, talking about owning things. Uh, but now let's uh, you know if you guys are still listening. I know this has been a, a longer podcast, but uh, throw out some honorable mentions. Yep. Maybe we'll do a bad list another time, but let's just throw out some on it. What is there anything you want to shout out that didn't um, didn't get shout out? Well, at you point? know, like you you had like you know we shouted out Jackass Forever. Like the Northman wasn't on my list, but like it, I think it like was just outside of my list. So like you know, just want to shout that one out. Uh, the Whale. Um, I again, I see how people like you know didn't like love the movie, but like either way, Brendan Fraser is just like so incredible and like I don't know, just like pulls on your heartstrings in that movie that like you know just totally. have to shout that out his his humanity his like the, the tenderness beneath his troubled exterior the brendan fraser of it all 
the Brendan Fraser of it all. I actually don't know what you're getting at with there, but I felt he's like just he's just a very genuine, like sweet person. I feel like he like he they is, were just like they were just like this role is you. Okay, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. No, that's why the casting exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's why the casting works so well. Yeah, and then my last one, and like apologies to anybody. Like maybe this should have been number one on both of our lists. Like Morbius. Um, thank you for existing. Thank you. Like hopefully we get you know two, three more. Four, five, I'm, six, I'm seven. I'm still waiting for maybe the Morbius even, maybe sweep. Maybe even seven Morbius. The, I'm still waiting for the Morbius sweep. I think that there's... Uh, they're going to they're gonna reverse the Oscars and give them some awards. next year, they're going to reinstate Will Smith and they're going to retroactively Morbius <laughs> Best Picture. Give Morbius Best Picture uh, like it deserves. Uh, a couple... Um, one, one that barely made my list, this was my 11, was Nope. Uh, the Jordan Peele's latest movie, and I really, I really loved that. I thought it was uh, a really like clever telling of a you know the UFO story, but in a in a new light. But also having that sort of classic Twilight Zone, Close Encounters of the Third Kind sort of vibe to it. Yeah, uh, yeah my mark doesn't feel that as much. No, I, I guess I was like that was one of like if I had a list of like my most like disappointing movies of the year, I think I would actually put that in my top ten. Not it wasn't bad, like it wasn't like if I were to make a like a rank list, it would probably be on like the top half of my list. Top half, okay. but like I feel like, and again, maybe this is unfair. Like I'm comparing it to um, Get Out and like Us, which both of those I find like just much more intriguing. And I was with the movie where I kind of felt like I watched I watched Nope like three times. Wow, it it's it's like it gets a little boring to me. It is it is a very simple idea that it explores, uh, but like I Daniel Kaluuya. Oh, and Kiki Palmer is incredibly <laughs> entertaining in that movie. But like, yo, Daniel Kaluuya is just like, I think me and Mike have both been champions of him for like a very long time, and just oh, like yeah. he is the like he's the man. Yeah, he he's one of the best a- actors working today. He's another guy like if you're making a movie and you can get him. I'm, put I mean, him I'm watching it in your movie I also thought that excuse me uh, Nope has a great look to it I feel like an underrated aspect of Jordan Peele's direction is his uh, the, his, his visual presentation in his movies are actually excellent but they're usually like there's something exciting or an interesting idea afoot that people don't praise that as much so Nope really did it for me on a lot of levels um, barely, barely made my list uh, Marcel the shell with shoes on uh, touched me did you not see it? No, I didn't see that one. Marcel the shell with shoes on is a Jenny Slate playing this very tiny one-inch shell with with eyes, and it's like uh, just her life is being like oh, I'm a small little shell. Like that's really the whole movie, but it's done in just such a delightful, heartfelt way. This movie like touched me way more than I was expecting uh, to. And you know what? This will be maybe my last shout out here is uh, just because me and Mike were talking about this earlier today. Uh, I just because I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots actually uh, in my top fifteen uh, or so. So wow, it was it was because Puss in Boots has a really uh, profound message, which is basically it, it's confronting the idea of like I'm afraid to die, which is really heavy for um, a kids movie, and I think it does it in such a dignified, thoughtful way. Plus having all these like really clever ideas, like the map, the way the map worked in that movie, I thought was really creative yeah, and, and it was a like, really good plot device. And sorry, I know I keep tangenting and we got to wrap this up, but uh, the I guess last year was like the year of the sequels, 
like the long wait of the sequels that were actually very good. Uh, Top Gun, like Puss in Boots, yeah. like these have like gaps of like a decade, and like, yo, they're they're keeping the quality, and you just gotta appreciate that. I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, and um, and and animated movies doing it big because the other one I was gonna say too was Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. That was awesome. Was Phenomenal. Not it, the Disney version, though. Don't no, watch that one. No, no, no. I think there were even three versions of Pinocchio that came out last year. and But Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio was really um, thoughtful and Creative. layered and and deep and, and looked so good. And and is, like, again, you know, if you're going, why are they making another Pinocchio? The, he puts a twist and a spin on it that's so his own and makes it worth watching. And uh, I got a lot more movies I, w- I wanted to shout out here, yeah. but but we're running out of time. And um, shout out to Pedro Pascal. But shout out to Pedro Pascal, and um, we'll see you next time. Have a have a good uh, have, a, have a good rest of your day, everybody. Deuces. Visualize what you can't see.